0: Welcome back once again to At Home in Your Hymnal. Pastor Clint Poppy, Pastor Adam Moline, we are privileged to serve the saints here at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church. And as we look at our hymnal and Lutheran worship, We've created a program called At Home in Your Hymnal to help you be at home in your hymnal during the divine service or other occasional services in the worship service to encourage you to have a hymnal in your home and be at home in your hymnal with uh, your family devotions, your private devotions. We've been working our way through the divine liturgy in the church, specifically Divine Service Setting 1 in Lutheran Service Book. But really, it's been a program of the rhythm and flow and the structure of Lutheran liturgy in general. We've taken a... uh, close look at the individual parts of the liturgy. In our previous episode, episode 21, we looked at the importance and placement of the creed in the divine service, and now we are to the point where I know uh, Pastor Moline has been chomping at the bit to get to uh, our resident music man. We're going to look at hymnody in general and specifically at the hymn of the day. Mr. Music Man, Pastor Moline, welcome.
1: Just don't uh uh, over bill me here you know average at best there's some who are very very blessed in this department but it is an exciting one to talk about because there are so many opportunities to talk about uh, the hymns of the day even the one we opened with uh, a mighty fortress we were listening to the Bach setting uh, which is more rhythmic and uh, or not rhythmic it's more structured uh, to allow for the different parts as uh, singing that in four-part harmony as opposed to the Luther version which has more uh, rhythmic and uh, Kind of more difficult to sing, but yet the more uh, traditional version of that hymn
0: and uh, that uh, that great Luther hymn is a uh, is a wonderful one for us to start with because Luther wrote many, many hymns, and not all of them are in our hymnal, but many of them are. Uh, Luther was a, a great student of music and uh, I think the quote is something to the effect of next to the study of theology the study of music is the highest art and the greatest gift that god can give us he also uh in the in the cares and toils and realities of life many of his hymns were born from his personal tentatio, his personal angst, his personal struggle, and reading the Word of God, meditating on the Word of God, reflecting on the Word of God, he then wrote a hymn. And I think that teaches us much of what we want to talk about today. Why do we sing hymns in the Lutheran Church? Why do we have a hymn of the day that is generally right before the sermon? Why do we pick hymns of the day that sometimes are just, let's be honest they're really hard to sing the tune is not all that familiar we maybe only sing it once or twice in the year uh, why not sing something that everybody knows every Sunday amazing grace and beautiful Savior just as I am without one plea I come to the garden alone uh, all the yeah that one's not in our hymn <sighs> by the way uh, pa- pastor uh, Moline just about fell out of his chair when I mentioned that one uh, but those are those are familiar tunes to people So we have a lot of questions that we want to address during this episode, episode 22, when we talk about hymnody in general and specifically the hymn of the day, which is the hymn, sometimes called the sermon hymn, but it's the hymn of the day and the placement is right before the sermon. I want to read from uh, Pastor John Fram, and I don't know if it's Fram or Fram, so I apologize in advance, but uh, Pastor Fram's uh, wonderful, wonderful Bible study, uh, The Divine Service, Its History and Theology. On page 69, he has these words of introduction with regard to the hymn of the day, and it's right next to a picture of Johann Sebastian Bach, Pastor, so uh, I know that caught your eye when I had the page open before. Hymns in the historic usage of the Christian Church, and in the traditional usage of the Lutheran Church, are not the same as in other Christian denominations. In the Lutheran Church, hymns are sung sermons in many ways, an application of the Word of God, neither simply a quotation of the Bible, nor a mere expression of sentiment. In this sense, as much as hymns give joyful praise and thanks to God, our doxology, they are also catechetical instruction and expressions of prayer and reverence. The hymn of the day in the, is the hymn in the context of the liturgy that is most tied to the particular readings for the day and the theme of the sermon. Not only the season in the church here, So Pastor, uh, based on that quote there, we've got a lot of questions that come to mind. First of all, uh, are you buying what Pastor Fram is laying down here, what he's selling? He is saying that Lutheran hymnody is different and distinct from much of the hymnody that is in other Christian denominations or uh, even other um, worship settings that there is something distinctively Lutheran about Lutheran hymnody and the placement of the hymns in the divine service. What do you think?
1: Yeah, uh, he's definitely right in that regard. And Lutheran hymns and the selection of hymns that we sing in church is different than many other denominations. And the the way to kind of explain what that means uh, uh, is this. All the hymns that we pick are there not for their own glory and purpose and, and happiness or anything like that, they're there to support the readings uh, of God's Word that are uh, specific to that particular Sunday. I
0: got a, a timeout, timeout. So are you telling me that there is a plan in place, or at least there should be a plan in place, when a pastor picks the hymns for a particular <laughs> Sunday or worship service in the church year that this is done on purpose and not willy nilly or uh, randomly.
1: Yes, um, it, it, the the scripture readings that are assigned for each Sunday in the church year are the most important part of the divine service. Um, And and maybe the way to think about it more simply is the word of God is the most important thing. Everything that we do on a Sunday morning in the liturgy and in the Sunday service is there to support uh, those particular scripture readings uh, so that that word of God can be heard by the person sitting in the pew and hopefully uh, taken to heart and that the Holy Spirit might work through that word to create sustained sustain faith. And so when we pick a hymn, it's there to support the word of God, to reinforce the word of God, uh, to be there in service to the word of God. And it's oftentimes in other church bodies and other places done the opposite way. We pick a particular hymn because it makes us feel good, because there's sentimental value, because people like to sing it, because it has a catchy tune, uh, because it it elicits a particular emotional response. And while those things are side effects of particular hymns, that's not the main reason that we would sing one. We sing a hymn because the word that it is uh, proclaiming matches up with what the Word is that is assigned for the Scripture readings on that particular Sunday. They go together, and the Word of God, therefore, is emphasized over and over and over again to the person in the pew.
0: And I think most people would understand that we sing a different type of hymn during the season of Easter than we sing during the season of Christmas. We sing a different type of hymn during the season of Lent than we do during the season of Advent, and uh, Advent is a, a whole nother kettle of fish. The whole world is playing Christmas carols, and we're singing uh, almost dirges in the church, and that's probably where we hear the most uh, question or critique with regard to the picking of the hymn of the day. Pastor Fromm makes this comment that is distinctive with regard to Lutheran hymnody. The hymnody uh, sung sermons, an application of the word of God, not simply a quotation of the Bible, and we see this in in some church denominations where you just take a quotation of the Bible and you put it to music. So it's just a quotation over and over and over again, or a mere expression of sentiment. And I think we see this a lot in people that would uh, build their worship service as a praise and celebration kind of a service it is just joy or expression of sentiment there's something bigger going on here that catechetical instruction it's tied to the word of the word of god it flows from the word of god and it is chosen and any pastor that is worth his salt will spend time thinking about the readings the message of the reading, how the hymn, a particular hymn, can connect or expand the thought of that reading for the people who are singing it and hearing it. So there is uh, great care, there should be great care in hymn selection, and the hymn of the day is already selected for us. People have gone before us, and they have chosen for each Day in the liturgical year for each minor festival or major festival, for that matter, in the uh, in the church year, they have chosen a hymn that is specifically connected to the readings of the day for catechetical expression and as a side effect, the emotion and and uh, these kind of things that that come as well. Pastor, some of these hymns of the day are really hard to sing. They're yeah. not a familiar tune, and why would a pastor Pick a hymn knowing that the congregation isn't familiar with it? Is uh, is he just being stubborn and obstinate, or is there something bigger at play?
1: Yeah, the reason a pastor would pick a very difficult to sing hymn um, is because the theology and teaching of the particular hymn is so good. Oftentimes, uh, the reason that it is difficult to sing is because, for whatever reason, in the last few generations, our uh, forefathers, and I'm not trying to point fingers, this is just the reality, uh, our forefathers have not, sung these hymns enough. Uh, But the theology that's in them is very, very good. It teaches justification by faith. Uh, It talks about how we are completely and totally redeemed by Christ the crucified and his death and resurrection. And uh, maybe it even teaches some other theological truths that we need to hear and understand. And the benefit of singing that in a hymn is, even if it's hard, uh, is that uh, we see those words that teach that and we also then hear a musical tune that helps it to stick into our head. Uh, hymns are recorded in two parts in our brain. One part is where uh, normal spoken speech is recorded, and then also in the part where music is recorded. And that's why if someone has a stroke, you know, you can still... Um, they can still oftentimes sing a hymn. So when we take God's word and we set it to music, that is a benefit for the person. The same reason that Lady Gaga gets stuck in your head, Clint, is the same reason that we sing hymns uh, here in church. Yeah, there
0: are many, hymn, or many songs that are stuck in my head, and Lady Gaga music is not one of them. Um, when, uh, when we come back from our break, we want to do a case example of a particular hymn of the day and how it ties in with the readings of the day, and it might surprise you how it works. It's the uh, hymn that I hope gets stuck in your head as we've been playing it as our bumper music, beginning and end at this, uh, at this thing. This is at home in your hymnal. We need to take a short break. We'll be right back. Don't change that dial. You ask who this may be? The Lord of hosts is he, Christ Jesus, mighty Lord, God's only Son adored. He holds the field victorious. What awesome words from Martin Luther, as we heard in the uh, great Luther hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Now, you might think that A Mighty Fortress is Our God is the hymn of the day for Reformation and all things Reformation related, and uh, that would make good logical sense, but it's not. It's the hymn of the day for a different Sunday in the church here for a very, very specific reason. We are back with At Home in Your Hymnal. This is episode 22. We are looking at the hymn of the day, the placement of the hymn of the day, the structure of the hymn of the day, the importance of hymnody, and maybe the importance of learning hymns that you aren't quite so familiar with because they flow from and tie in to the readings and the sermon on a particular celebration, celebration, Feast Day or Sunday in the church year. Pastor, in our uh, earlier segment, you were talking about how the, uh, the hymn of the day and the importance of picking a particular hymn that ties into the readings for the day has kind of fallen or had kind of fallen out of use in the Lutheran Church. And some people may question that or wonder if that is a fair, accurate, or historical statement. Well, personally speaking, I can tell you that it is. I grew up in the 60s and 70s, and there was no such thing as a hymn of the day. And then later on with the introduction of the then-new hymnal, Lutheran Service Book, and I know some congregations in uh, the Missouri Synod used Lutheran Book of Worship, this whole idea and concept of a hymn of the day was brought back. It was part of the liturgical renewal in the church. Uh, The uh, comment that I want to share here to begin is from Gregory Wismer, And Gregory Wismer is uh, part of the Commission on Worship in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. He wrote a book called Lutheran Service Book, Hymn Selection Guide. And I want to read uh, just a few words uh, from uh, Pastor Wismer. From the earliest decades of the Reformation era, specifically chosen hymns sung by the congregation were incorporated into the standard order of worship used in Germany, and later throughout Northern Europe in Lutheran congregations. In the Deutsche Mass, German Mass, of 1526, Martin Luther provided for the singing of a hymn by the congregation in the place of the gradual, which had customarily been sung by the choir between the reading of the Epistle and the Holy Gospel. Over time, this gradual hymn became known by by a variety of titles, Generally, De Tempore Hymn, the Hymn of the Day, a specific list of hymns appropriate to a given sequence of appointed readings, usually chosen to complement the theme of the Gospel of the Day, was chosen and ultimately standardized to a great extent for use among the first Lutherans. This Hymn of the Day thing has a huge historical precedence dating all the way back to Luther and before. Although the custom of a specific hymn of the day fell into disuse in Lutheran churches for an extended period of time. The tradition was revived in the middle of the 20th century, first in Germany and then a few years later in the United States as new worship books were adopted by Lutheran church bodies. I would submit that this tradition fell out of use for hundreds of years as a result of pietism that had crept into the church. Pietism would be an emphasis of feelings and an emotion over pure doctrine and right teaching. And slowly but gradually, the importance of hymnody as a teaching tool fell into disuse, and the purpose of hymnody simply as a stroke to the emotions became the norm of the day. And so for about the last 50, 60, 75 years, this hymn of the day has had a revival in the church. Uh, just your comments or reaction to that uh, statement by pastor Wismer.
1: Yeah. And the first off, the history of it is, you know, quite dramatic. Uh, There's all sorts of uh, places where musicians have taken these great hymns and then made them into beautiful musical settings for us to use in the church service. Um, And, uh, that's the kind of thing that shows that we had this history of using particular hymns for particular weeks in the church year. And we can go back and emphasize all that and see that uh, development take place. Um, I think the thing we have to keep in mind as we try to bring it back is that it is, um, in a way, an adiophora, meaning it's not commanded nor forbidden in Scripture to use a particular hymn each Sunday in the church year. And yet, at the same time, there is a benefit to it. Um, that we are able then as a church body to go to any church and recognize the hymn appointed for a particular Sunday, that the whole church uh, uh, across all the country and the world is singing the same song at the same time and the same uh, day. Uh, that means we're all learning the same faith and, and um, uh, feeling the same uh, Emotion elicited by that uh, singing of a particular hymn, um, and that we're all familiar with the same sort of worship style across the board. That's the benefit that's there. Now, we're not, it can't be made into a law as if that's how we're going to get into heaven, and yet the benefit and the blessing of it is still there, and that's what we have to emphasize.
0: I think that's one of the things that your uh, relatively new program on KNNA 95.7 The Cross. Uh, here in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, bringing Bach back. That's one of the things that your new program has taught me, that while this may have fallen into disservice for more than a 100 years, uh, the church has emphasized the doctrinal nature of music, the teaching nature of music, the... uh, emotion that derives not from uh, my sinful heart, but from the word of God properly applied at a particular time. And so the hymn of the day that we're looking at now is often the exact same hymn of the day that Bach and his contemporaries were uh, singing and uh, emphasizing and writing new music and chorales and pieces for. And it really unites us as one with the church and the uh, the saints that have gone before us. Yeah. And I would just I would just uh, commend you on that program. Keep up the good work. Uh, check it out on our archives, uh, www.thecross957.org. Go to uh, the various podcast areas where Pastor uh, Moline's program, Bringing Bach Back, is there, and you will hear this reinforced, everything that we're talking about today.
1: So maybe to uh, segue then to where we want to go, Uh, you know, one of the things that, uh, we talked about the building of this, uh, hymn of the day, uh, corpus, uh, that's been used throughout the church here. We're, we're going to talk about a hymn, a mighty fortress, correct? Correct. So we have, for example, we have Martin Luther wrote the hymn. We have Heinrich Schutz who would have been alive, uh, at the, right after Martin Luther that wrote a setting of it. We have Bach that was alive after Heinrich Schutz in the early 1700s that wrote a setting of it. We have Felix Mendelssohn who wrote a whole symphony uh, based on that particular hymn. Uh, so we have this history you know, from the 1600s, the 1700s, the 1800s where great musicians took that particular hymn and kind of made it their own in a particular way uh, throughout the years um, that has kept that hymn alive and fresh and been, shows that it's been used in the church uh, throughout all the centuries.
0: We have uh, members of our congregation here in Lincoln that when we sing A Mighty Fortress is Our God, they will tell me that that is the least favorite hymn in their hymnal. And I'm talking about people who are 60, 70, 80 years old because they never sang this hymn. They're lifelong Lutherans, but they never sang this hymn because they were taught taught that this hymn is too difficult to sing. And so they never sang it in their Sunday morning worship, and now they don't even know it. The, um,
1: and the, go, go ahead. Well, I didn't interrupt you. No, no, no. To, I, to react to mind. that, it's also then one of my kids' favorite hymns. When we would drive long distances in the car when uh, my daughter Claire was, you know, one-year-old or whatever, she Claire, would get Bear, tired Claire, of being in, in the car And she would start to cry and and be grouchy about it. And you could do anything you wanted to try and make her happy. The only thing that worked is if we would sing A Mighty Fortress. And so we have car rides where we spent hours singing over and over and over again A Mighty Fortress. And uh, that was the thing that kept her happy on long car rides because... I You know, I just, I don't know what her brain was thinking, but that's the reality.
0: She knew it. It was familiar. It calmed her down and it's based on the clear word of God. Now I mentioned before that a mighty fortress is our God is the hymn of the day, but not for Reformation Sunday. It's the hymn of the day for the first Sunday in Lent. Pastor, do you want to read the gospel reading for uh, the first Sunday in Lent?
1: It comes from Matthew chapter four, verses one through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him.
0: We have the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, the first Sunday in Lent. Why would a mighty fortress is our God be the hymn of the day for that particular day? Listen to these words from verse 1. The old evil foe now means deadly woe. Deep guile and great might are his dread arms in fight. On earth is not his equal. That's the end of verse 1. And it looks like Satan is going to win because on earth there is no equal to Satan. What hope do we have when the temptations of the world come against us? This is what Luther, the tentatio, the angst that he was dealing with when this hymn was born based on his reading of Psalm 46. And then verse 3, Though devils all the world should fill, all eager to devour us, we tremble not, we fear no ill. They shall not overpower us. This world's prince, that's Satan, may still scowl fierce as he will. He can harm us none. He's judged. The deed is done. One little word can fail him. Pastor, I can't think of a better connection between the hymn of the day and the gospel reading for the day than this particular selection. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I agree because uh it's... It teaches the same thing that that particular gospel lesson does. It emphasizes it it sets it to a tune so we remember it and it brings the idea the theme of the day uh, to the forefront
0: Let's listen to uh, just a few words from that great hymn as we go into break. This is at home in your hymnal when we come back we're going to talk a little bit more about Lutheran hymnody and specifically the hymn of the day This week's church service is more than hymns and a sermon. Get a more in-depth study of this week's message with Pastor Poppy and Pastor Moline on Proclaiming the One. Tune in Sundays at 12 p.m., Wednesdays at 11 a.m., Fridays at 11 a.m. and again at 6 p.m., and Saturdays at 10 a.m. For past episodes on demand, go to TheCross957.org backslash proclaiming the one Welcome back to At Home in Your Hymnal. Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline, we're looking at the structure, the rhythm and flow of the divine service. We are specifically looking in this episode, episode 22, at hymnody in the Lutheran Church, the hymn of the day. It's a placement right before the sermon, its connection to the readings of the day, the sermon that's about to be preached, and more specifically, the catechetical nature of, and design of these hymns, which is pretty unique to the Lutheran Church, and the reason why pastors pick a particular hymn on a particular day, the reason why a hymn of the day, a particular hymn of the day, would be chosen for us. And uh, in in our last segment, segment two of this episode 22, we looked at the hymn of the day for the first Sunday in Lent, The Temptation of Jesus, a Mighty Fortress is Our God, and a, and the beautiful way that it is connected. I think many people would think that, oh, A Mighty Fortress is Our God should be the hymn of the day for Reformation Sunday, and it's often sung on that Sunday, but it is not the specific hymn of the day. We had a different intro when we came in to this segment, and it is the, for many Lutherans, the familiar hymn, Salvation Unto Us Has Come. And Salvation Unto Us Has Come is the hymn of the day for Reformation Sunday. Now think about Reformation, uh, a particular uh, festival that is celebrated in Lutheran churches. Not all uh, Protestant churches even recognize or celebrate Reformation, although a few do outside of the Lutheran tradition. But salvation unto us has come, the verse that you heard in our intro, salvation unto us has come by God's free grace and favor. Good works cannot avert our doom. They help and save us never. Faith looks to Jesus Christ alone, who did for all the world atone. He is our one Redeemer. Pastor, your reaction and reflection on this great hymn and its connection to the theology and the historical relevance of Reformation.
1: Well, part of the Reformation, the big thing is uh, return to the biblical teaching that God has saved us through the work of Jesus Christ alone and that we cannot add or subtract to that. Uh, Maybe to quick say it in a short way would be to say, Salvation unto us has come by God's free grace and favor. And by George, when you say it that way, uh, it matches up perfectly with the words of this hymn. And even the second line, good works cannot avert our doom. They help and save us never. It's faith that looks to Jesus Christ alone, uh, the one who did for all the world atone. He's our only Redeemer. And so when we look at the words, uh, the words are basically laying out exactly what the Reformation is all about. We're saved by grace through faith, uh, by the work of Christ. Alone in his life, death, and resurrection, and uh, the things that we do cannot subtract or add to the work that he's done for our salvation. Uh, All we can do is help and serve our neighbor uh, because God doesn't need our good works, and all this theology is exactly what this hymn teaches. And it sets it to music so that we can remember it. And even a child, and this is when we should teach hymns to people, is when they're children, Uh, a child can learn this and understand the entirety of our Lutheran Christian faith uh, just by learning this one hymn.
0: Now, in uh, Lutheran service book, hymn 555, Salvation Unto Us Has Come, I see ten verses Ten verses, and I know uh, we have a few folks here at Good Shepherd when uh, they see that him five fifty five is picked, and they look at this and uh, they might oh pastor's going to make us sing all 10 verses of this hymn. And I don't do that all the time. Sometimes I'll pick selected verses. Uh, Sometimes we'll sing the first five verses at the beginning of the service and then the second five verses as the hymn of the day and break it up a little bit that way because I understand, you know, uh, the reality of things as well. Why would anybody want a hymn that is 10 verses, and why would any pastor want all 10 verses to be sung at the same time on the same Sunday? Uh, is is the pastor a masochist, and he wants the people to suffer? What's happening here, Pastor?
1: Well, no, um, I wouldn't say that the, the pastor wants people to suffer, but the pastor wants the people to know all the theology that is important to being a Christian. Uh, in the ancient church, you know, it wasn't just a uh, uh, two-weekend retreat that was catechism class. It was actually the entire season of Lent 24-7 that you spent learning the Christian faith before you were confirmed, baptized, and uh, brought into the church on Easter. And um, the same thing, you know, the the faith is not just a simple little... Uh, Foolish thing. It is actually deep and intellectual, and the smartest people in the world have spent their entire lives studying the Christian faith, trying to understand it. And so, if we can learn all 10 hymns that we have in our hymnal to this hymn, that helps teach us that much more theology. And in fact, there's actually 14 verses of this hymn in the German, Um, and so there's even four more that we could learn. Uh, The Trinity seven bringing Bach back program has two additional ones that we uh, have prepared for us in that particular Bach cantata. So you can uh, listen to that when it comes out. Um, There's a a website, Lutheran, the Lutheran chorale book. um, It, my friend of mine from seminary has prepared that has all the verses translated into English as well. So when we only sing 10, we're actually cutting four out to keep it short uh, for your benefit on a Sunday morning.
0: When you, when you have a hymn that has many verses, like this one, Salvation Unto Us Has Come, you, again, it's a zadi offer. You do not have to sing all ten verses or somehow you're sinning against God or anything like that. We're free. Uh, all things are permitted, but not all things are beneficial. When you have a hymn like this that is many, many verses, often, And such is the case in this particular hymn. The hymn is telling you a story. The hymn is teaching you the faith. In the same way that Lutheran theology is born from the Word of God and is rightly divided between law and gospel, you see this law-gospel tension and teaching being brought out, how the law condemns us in our sin. Our human efforts to save ourselves are futile. Good works flow from faith, but they don't save us. What is the answer? The answer is Jesus. Jesus does the good work, by dying and rising for us and for our salvation. We are forgiven, full, and free. And now, with this new life in Christ, we are free to do good works out of joyous response to the gospel rather than out of some obligation or trying to make God like us. All of this is clearly taught as we sing in sequence the ten. I'd love to uh, get the English translation of those other four. But these ten verses of salvation unto us has come.
1: And and so to build on what you say, they're teaching the scriptures. And so... Um, there's, uh, in that website I mentioned, the Lutheran Corral book.com um, my buddy has their scriptural proofs for this hymn from the leader Liederbuch of 1524. Uh, so stanza 1 is quoting Ephesians 2.7, Romans 3.20, Hebrews 12.2, Hebrews 2.9, Hebrews 9.15. Stanza 2 goes on with Romans 8.8, 8, Romans 4.15, Romans 7.14, John 15.5, Galatians 3.22, and it goes that way through all 14 verses of the hymn, which, what's that telling you? What are we singing? God's Word. God's Word, which is telling you why this is so important, then, that we are singing this hymn, that we're singing the verses, and that we're working our way through them trying to understand what the Scriptures are trying to teach us.
0: And that also begs the question of why it would be important to memorize good, solid, born-from-the-Word-of-God hymns. Because while they may not be exactly the word of God, they are echoes of and flow from the word of God. And as you mentioned before, how our brain works, when we have words and music together, they stick. They stick. Recently, I was uh, covering for Vicar at a uh, nursing home devotion. Well, it's kind of an assisted living center. It's not really a nursing home. It's Savannah Pines just down the road. And uh, as I was handing out hymnals, one of the, one of the residents said, no, I can't see. I can't see. Didn't want a hymnal. And as we were singing the hymns, and the particular hymn that I chose that day is one that we sing quite a bit in the church, and it teaches the faith, chief of sinners though I be. This lady sang every verse of the hymn from memory. She couldn't see the words on the page, but the tune and the words together, boom, were right there, and I could just see the smile on her face as she was able to participate in the worship service with something meaty, you know, not uh, you know, my God is an awesome God, even though that's true, God is awesome, but something that really, really teaches the faith. Salvation unto us has come. I want to to read verse 9 in our uh, LSB hymn, uh, hymn 555 to further emphasize this point. Faith clings to Jesus' cross alone and rests in him unceasing and by its fruits, true faith is known with love and hope increasing for faith alone can justify works serve our neighbor and supply the proof that faith is living. Pastor, in that one verse we have ephesians two eight nine and ten. Beautifully summarized. We also have the first six articles of the Augsburg Confession. Beautifully summarized as well. I was at a uh, a hymn workshop many, 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 many years ago. 30 plus years ago. And the person who was leading the workshop used salvation unto us has come as his case study for why Lutheran hymnody is so bad. And this Man of God, pastor in Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, noted hymn writer in our church, mocked salvation unto us has come, and he looked out at us and he says, that hymn is nothing more than rhymed doctrine. (laughs) Now, Pastor, based on everything that we have said, why was that the greatest compliment that this hymn could ever get?
1: Well... I understand what he's trying to say, I guess. Yet, he's missing the point that there is a benefit to knowing what our doctrine is and that it is a blessing as we go out into a world that is not Christian any longer and a world that's rather hostile to Christianity. What a benefit it is when someone says, well, why do you believe, um, you know, what do you believe about Jesus? And we can say, oh, yeah, uh Salvation comes to us by God's free grace and favor. Good works can't save us. Uh, they help and save us never. Faith looks to Jesus Christ alone who did for all the world atone. If we can have that lyric in there and we can answer questions that are brought to us in the workplace, uh, in the other place. I'm not saying we have to sing it to them. That would be kind of weird, you know, but the hymn being in our minds helps us to defend the faith and to give an apologetic for it, and that's the benefit of having doctrine and hymns. Now, Faith is not doctrine alone. It's not that uh, just because we know these things that we're going to be saved. Faith is also uh, believing that they're true for us, and that's a different matter, that the Holy Spirit works, and yet... They do benefit each other, and they go hand in hand. There is a positive to it.
0: There's a time for flowery language in our hymnody, and there's a time for rhyme doctrine in our hymnody. This hymn is a beautiful example of both. We need to take a short break. This is At Home in Your Hymnal. We'll be right back. Don't change that dial. Welcome back to At Home in Your Hymnal, Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline. We're looking at the structure of the divine service, specifically Divine Service One. We are looking at hymnody in general and specifically the hymn of the day. No, we are not jumping all over the board just to be dramatic. We have had several different musical selections that we've played here. Just to give you an example, case studies, if you will, of how the hymn of the day ties in to the theme of a particular Day in the Church Year, how it flows from the Word of God, and what we heard on our intro to this Segment 4 of Episode 22 that we have devoted completely to Lutheran hymnody and the Hymn of the Day, we heard, For All the Saints. This is the Hymn of the Day for All Saints Day. Generally, that is the first Sunday in November, although that can vary just a little bit depending on how the calendar falls. We always celebrate All Saints' Day in the church here. It's one of the major, major festivals of the year. And what we heard was For all the saints who from their labors rest, who Thee by faith before the world confessed, Thy name, O Jesus, be forever blessed. Hallelujah, Hallelujah! We've got eight verses of this hymn in our hymnal, 677 in LSB. I know a lot of pastors that uh, do not sing all eight verses just because it's eight verses. It tells a wonderful story. You can break up the first three verses, then the second three verses, then the last two verses are very doxological. Uh, there's a lot of ways to sing this hymn, but it's a great hymn talking about the beauty and the picture of heaven. And yet All Saints Day is one of those kind of crazy days in the church year where the gospel reading for All Saints Day doesn't seem to fit. It is Matthew 5, the first several verses, what is commonly referred to as the Beatitudes, the Blessed Bees. Pastor, do you have that geared up? Do you want to read Matthew 5? Yeah, definitely. And, uh, and maybe... And, Real quick. and connect us here. Okay, go ahead.
1: Before we do, I, I think if you look at your hymnal, hymn 677, you see... Uh, a great example of what you do when you have a long hymn like that. You see verses 1 through 3 are sung with one musical setting. Verses 4, 5, and 6 then switch up the uh, musical setting a little bit. It's still the same tune, and yet their organ and uh, the rhythm is just a little bit different in those verses. And then you end again with 7 and 8 with the original back again. That's the way that you do a long hymn to keep it interesting for the people sitting in the pew is you you can Uh, edit that a little bit. And really good organists do that. They use different uh, ranks and uh, uh, settings on the organ for each verse. Sometimes they might play something that's dissonant uh, to uh, keep the interest of the people as we sing these long hymns so that all of it can sink in in a positive way. Sorry for that little sidetrack.
0: I I appreciate that because I'm a musical novice. Uh, Some would say a musical cretin. I just follow the bouncy balls. I can't read music. And uh, I often wondered why a hymn like this was set apart in uh, on two pages rather than just list the verses without the musical notes like uh, salvation unto us has come has done. And so thank you for that. And that that helps me uh, as a musical novice understand what's going on here.
1: And, and not to promote myself again, but the Bringing Bach Back episode for Trinity 9 uh, looks at the hymn, What is the World to Me? And they and go through there and Bach Each verse, each little movement in there is a different verse of that hymn, What is the World to Me? And he does it differently in each one to keep the interest of the people throughout it. Oh,
0: that that we would be able to do that on a consistent basis today. But that's another topic.
1: Matthew chapter 5. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you.
0: For your reward is great in heaven. All Saints Day, that's the gospel reading from Matthew 5, the Beatitudes, and we have that powerful verse at the end of the Beatitudes, and yet the reality is. Here on earth, we are often persecuted. Here on earth, we still have uh, the effects of sin in the world around us and even in our own body that make this confession a difficult thing to do. And so as we live in this sin-filled world, God's blessings, God's promises sustain us. And I'm thinking here of the uh, verse 4, For all the saints, O blessed communion, fellowship divine, we feebly struggle, they in glory shine. Yet all are one in thee, for all are thine. Alleluia, alleluia. What a beautiful summary of that particular er, verse. words of scripture, the gospel reading for All Saints Day that you read. Now, when most people think of All Saints Day, Pastor, they think of verses from Revelation. They think of, you know, the, the, the grand pictures that God give us in heaven. We don't think about that struggle we're dealing with now and that promise that we have, they're thinking about their loved ones that have died in the faith. They're thinking about that grand and glorious family reunion when we die. The epistle reading for All Saints Day is from Revelation 7. Do you have you have those words? You want to share yeah. that and we'll connect everything together?
1: And though I don't normally like to do this, uh, read the shorter version for time. I'll read just the, the shorter version, uh, verses 9 through 17. And the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know... For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes.
0: Now listen to a bit of the Hymn of the Day for All Saints Day. We've heard the Gospel reading. We've heard the Epistle reading. Now listen to these words from our Hymn of the Day for All Saints Day, 677 for All the Saints. pastor i got shivers up my spine hearing the last three verses of for all the saints on the day that we're recording this particular episode of at home in your hymnal it's uh, my mother's birthday Uh, my mom would have been 98 years old today we celebrated her 97th birthday last year at this time uh this past october god called her to her heavenly home and uh at 97 years plus, it's uh, It's an emotional time, and yet when we go to the Lord's Supper and we hear with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, you know, I was eight when my uh, dad died, I was 60 when my mom died, and yet that grand and glorious family reunion awaits, Uh, This this is the reason why we come to church to hear God's Word, to be bolstered, to know that the forgiveness of sins is real in the bloody death and glorious resurrection of Jesus. On All Saints Day, we, we give thanks for those who have made the good confession, and we look forward to that heavenly reunion. We heard, the golden evening brightens in the West soon, soon to faithful warriors cometh rest. Sweet is the calm of paradise, the blessed. Alleluia, alleluia. From earth's wide bounds, from ocean's farthest coast, through gates of pearl, streams in the countless host, singing to Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Alleluia, alleluia. Pastor, we got about a minute left in this segment. Concluding thoughts on this hymn of the day, on this particular Sunday, and overarching with regard to the beauty and purpose of hymnody in Lutheran worship.
1: Well, it it has us look forward then into what the promised day is for us, just as the scripture readings do. Um, it is the hope of eternal life, the promise of peace and comfort. And uh, I love the imagery that is there. The golden evening brightens in the West. Uh, we don't usually think of that. When we look to the West and we watch the evening, we watch things darken and to uh, seem to get worse. And yet, uh, when it's talking about our life and we're getting closer to the end of it or closer to the evening, uh, the nightfall of our lives, the truth is, is it does brighten because what awaits us on the other side of death as we pass through the valley of the shadow of death is eternity and peace and comfort and joy with God uh, in the present of the light of God, Jesus Christ, who has overcome all the world, and so there is kind of that interesting imagery that is there. That's beautiful. That I, I hadn't uh, thought
0: of that, and that is that is beautiful.
1: Yeah, and it's it's the truth, isn't it? And then it goes right from there. There breaks a yet more glorious day from that evening when our life comes to its end. The day, um, I think, Abide With Me does the same sort of thing in its uh, uh, lyrics as well. The day that shall have no end, where we won't need a sun or a a moon for light, because Christ himself will be the light uh, that uh, shines. And I think that's pictures again from Revelation also. And so that's the promise and hope. And the hymn then emphasizes what these scripture readings are teaching.
0: We have a great gift in the Lutheran Church with our hymnody. And I pray that God would kindle in our hearts a desire to sing, to learn, to memorize, and to pass on this great heritage. This is at home in your hymnal. We'll be back again next time. We're going to look at the sermon in the structure of the worship service. God's richest blessings in Christ.